0: You're listening to The Recovered Life
1: Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. How are you doing, Christina Dennis?
0: I'm doing great. Happy Wednesday to you. How are you doing, Damon Frank?
1: I am doing great. We Just to let everybody know, we are on episode 89, Wednesday, March 23rd. 2022 so welcome so to the good. show guys great to welcome, have everybody here if listening on the live stream thank you so much and also i'd like to thank everybody real quick christina before we jump into this episode uh for downloading the podcast we've had a lot of a lot of people are listening to us in the car uh we've had some comments on the recovered life app that you know people are downloading it listening it to when they Cook dinner or do tasks or whatever. <laughs> so it's really, it's really great to be in people's homes and with you. So thank you so much for uh, for downloading the show.
0: Yes, yes. And we want to let you know this show is being brought to you by Recovered Life contributors and people like you. So please continue to like, share and follow and leave us a comment so we can bring content to you that you will love. Also, visit info.recoveredlife.us. That's info.recoveredlife.us. You can leave a donation that helps us keep helping others and join the network. Once again, info.recoveredlife.us.
1: Thank you so much, Christina. And we'd love to see people on the app as well. So if you go to recoveredlife.us, you can join totally for free. And we'd love to see you there because it's all really about the discussions for us. We love doing the show, but we Mm -hmm. also love the discussions. We love that interaction. You know what I mean? When when you tell us except for the negative stuff, I you know, I don't (laughs) mind the negative stuff either. I kind (laughs) of like that too. I kind of like that too. Because at least we're talking. I do too.
0: And I, and I heard, you know, if you don't, you know, if everybody likes you, you're not standing for something. So it's okay. It is okay for people to have their opinions and it helps us get better. So please keep coming and leaving comments for
1: us. Absolutely. Before we dive into this segment, Christina, I got to tell you, we were chatting right before, uh, about our weekend recovery here, like what's just going on in our lives. And we were talking about resistance, Yes, you know, this whole thing about like, you know, uh, When you hit resistance in life um, and what happens is you automatically think it's like, you know what, like maybe I shouldn't be doing this or or maybe I should stop. But sometimes that's a time that you got to really push forward, right?
0: So true, so true. And it's easy to, you know, kind of figure out or get this idea that everything is, uh, you know, if it's right, it should have been easy. And I have just not ever subscribed to that. I mean, I think I might have when I first got sober, like, why is this so hard? But going through life and realizing that sometimes the more resistance is the, the bigger reason for you to double down. So I've started to kind of invite a little resistance because that means I'm doing something that
1: matters. Well, you know, it's interesting because when we get into recovery, Christina, a lot of the times we're told it's like, you know what, you got to back off a little bit, right? You got to back off mm-hmm. and you got to just let things happen and maybe things will be let go and everything. And I think that that's great advice because uh, obviously there's clearly sometimes there's you know empirical data that things are not working, like alcoholism, right? Like <laughs> obviously be there that you, you've got to quit. It's not good for you. But I found in recovery... That you know, I think a lot of people think in recovery, Christina, that um, that things are going to be easy. So true. Uh, like, okay, well, that's it. Like, I'm through. You know, I'm through with alcoholism. I'm through with drug addiction. I'm through with the eating thing or codependency. Like, that's it. It's just going to be easy. I have not found uh, my recovery easy necessarily. No. Over the last several decades. What about you?
0: Well, they promise us it won't be easy. It may be simple but it's never been easy. Um, You know, I've had decades where there hasn't been any kind of calling toward a substance, but that isn't the only thing that I've had to struggle with. So for sure, I've had to, you know, get in there and do the work. Um, I love it when they say it's not, it's not easy, but it is simple. So if you are struggling, hang tight, because I can tell you that regardless of the struggle the best thing i've ever done is put down drinking
1: yes yes absolutely and you know and here's the thing with it too it's like should everything be a struggle no i find it you know i find recovery it's like riding a bike there's times that you have to pedal a lot and then there're mm-hmm. sometimes you don't you know you can kind of go downhill and cruise a little bit And you can, you know, you don't have to be pedaling full out all the time. Like right now in my life, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I feel like I have to pedal and Mm -hmm. every pedal step is very, very difficult right now. Like, um, and it's tiring, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you automatically think it's like, well, this is not right. This is not good that something's wrong here. But sometimes that's not the, that's not the case at all.
0: No, and I'll take it even one step further. I used to think that if it was hard that means that I was doing something wrong or I was bad. You know, that that really there was some kind of mystic accountant in the sky that was tallying both sides and that struggle meant that I was you know doing it wrong and I was a bad person. And now I have actually understood in many of this uh, in many cases I was the conduit for the work to be done that the actual transformation was what I was going after and if it was easy then something wasn't going right you know was it wasn't maybe worth it. now I've had many moments where I have had a higher power come in whatever you want to call your higher power and make things easy. But I also have the benefit of being, you know, midlife so I can look back on the last 25 years and think about, oh, my gosh, this really was the easier road. If I was to be honest, I had a lot of luck and a lot of fortunate circumstances that helped me get sober early and stay sober.
1: Well, this also comes down to this whole idea of grace, right, this un- Mm -hmm. You know, I was confused about grace in early recovery because I thought grace was an was a undeserved gift. Right. Right. Like, well, I didn't deserve this, and it just came, but that's not what Grace says, actually. You know, grace is really an un it's an unearned gift, meaning yeah. it, it 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 comes to a site. So you didn't do anything to earn it. It has nothing to do with deservability. And I think this whole idea, you know, we were talking the other day about like these triggers about like injustice is a big trigger for me. And I was talking with a buddy of mine and he's like, oh, I've got that too. You know, we were at lunch yesterday. He's like, I've got that too. Like, I hate injustice. Like, Mm -hmm. I really don't like if things are, if I don't perceive things as fair. And I think a lot of this times with struggle, we perceive it as fair, not fair, And honestly, that's not a really good gauge. That's not the right ruler to use for that.
0: No, no. I had a therapist who would tell me the fairs in Pomona (laughs) when I would say that. And we don't know the end of the story. We have no idea how something that feels like a struggle now will be the exact amount of skills that we needed to, you know, have a huge joyful occurrence happen in our life. I can certainly look back and realize that, Some of the things that I suffered in childhood, some of the trauma that I was given gave me the exact skill set that I needed for this next challenge. So I just want to let everybody know that, you know, pain is not optional in life, but suffering is.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I don't. I still struggle with that concept, honestly. Uh, I struggle with the struggle. Because, you know, it's just like, it just doesn't seem fair to me. It's like, well, no. why is this happening? Why is this not? Now, but here's the interesting thing here before we dive into this next segment here. I, you know, the the interesting thing about this is when you look at it, I look back to and I say all the things that I struggled and I don't feel like I got the payoff for, right? Right. Because it's like, well, I'm struggling. I'm not getting what I want. There was a payoff. It mm-hmm. just didn't come at the time that I thought it was. You know, I was talking with you about a skill that we're using for Recovered Life. I got that skill. It was not paid off when I got that skill. I worked and worked and worked at it. I didn't get the payoff at the time, right? right? It, did, it didn't It did come out the way that I thought. But now, decades later, I'm using that skill that I learned right. from that situation, and I'm getting massive payoff from it. So it's all, per you know, this whole thing about struggling and everything. I'm realizing it's all just really perception. It's how I'm hearing it and viewing it.
0: That is exactly true. Exactly true. And that perception, you know, most of the time we're looking at it, and it's like looking at a painting, one inch of a painting, right? Your eye is right there. So you're noticing all the flaws and time gives us that ability to step backwards, backwards, backwards. And then we see the whole picture and we realize actually things had to happen exactly like they did in order for me to be here. And I, I know that, I mean what you said at the beginning, Damon Frank, was so powerful. Grace is not earned. Yeah. I mean, grace is uh something like that. <laughs> yeah. It is not yeah. about being the deserve It's not about
1: deservability. Grace is it not is about not about
0: deservability. And I just yeah. love that. I'm gonna take that with me this whole day. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. And I gotta tell you, uh, you know I love having these little impromptu chats. on on the live show on the recovered life live show because that's really what this is all about it's also just a forum also for christina and i to talk about what's going on because we know through coaching christina and this is the interesting thing one of the things that i've learned through coaching especially a lot of high performance people right that are in recovery and having relationships with people in recovery is that I am not alone in the things that are going on with me. Sometimes I will think it's like, well, I've got to be the only one that's dealing with this. How am I dealing with this when I do all the work? I do all the footwork. Right. You know, we just had something, Christina. We just had something, like a tech issue that we had, you know, earlier today. We did everything right. There was that, you know, but there's certain things that are just out of our control.
0: So, so true. And once we learn that acceptance piece that comes with recovery, that we are powerless over people, places, things and technology, then we can live a much more peaceful life. That's why suffering is optional. Once you recognize that part that part of life has pain and it has great joy, which is a paradox, but so, so true, you actually mature spiritually. I matured spiritually because once I was willing to accept that things were going to happen, that were not in my control, nor did I like, I was able to deal with them better. And they always gave me a a diving board, a jumping off point for the next huge thing that paid off, you know, in full. I've heard this before. It comes from the Bible, double your trouble. It will, it will eventually be there. If you stick out recovery you will get twice as much as you thought you were supposed to have. Keep going. Oh, yeah,
1: And I think it's even more than twice as much, honestly, in my opinion. Sure. I mean, you will, you, the, you know, here's what I always say. Um, and I forget sometimes, Christina, sometimes I forget, you know, w- when you have been doing the deal for a while, sometimes you have to think back to the way that it was, the thinking that you mm-hmm. had when you first come into this recovery process. It's not the same no. as you have a couple decades later. It's not it shouldn't be the same as yeah. you have but you know the interesting thing is i forget a lot of the times that some of the people that listen to the show some of the people that we talk with in the recovered life discussions on clubhouse uh, a lot of the people that are that that join us on recoveredlife.us that are in the social community that we're talking with they you know maybe have relapsed three or four times they've never really been able and they wake up they listen to the show you know, because we, we've we talked with people about this that have done this. They listen to the show and they're like, why can't I get it together? Like, why can't why is this not working for me? Right. And, you know, my message here always is, is like, it's not over until it's over and it's not over yet. So if you're awake, aware and alive today, it's not over. It's not over. The ending has not been written yet. And I do believe that there are seasons you know, and I'm talking to the people, primarily the people that are constant relapsers, right? I do believe there are seasons that it's easier to get sober. I do. I do believe that sometimes the higher power sometimes interjects that and says it's like right now is the time. And some people take that. Some people don't. I, I do believe that because I've seen it. Yes. But it's not over until it's over. And if you're awake and aware and alive today, you do have a chance to change the ending of the story.
0: You do, you have, a, you have more than a chance because we've seen it done. I've seen that happen in my life. And if you are not part of Recovered Life, join it. It's info info.recoveredlife.us and become part of the discussion. It's so much easier when you're within the herd, when you're in the middle and you're learning and stick it out, no matter yes. what, and don't. And no
1: matter what, no matter what, stick it out. Look, if you have the awareness that things can change and you see it around you. I think the biggest thing, Christina, in this whole thing with people that just feel that, uh, you know, and if you're out there listening to this, even if it's on the replay or like, if you're listening to this, you're like, well, hey man, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried that. You just got to find somebody who has done it and mm-hmm. you have to look at, because if you could see it in them, I always say this with coaching, if you could see it in them, It's possible for you because it's just an energy level, right? Like you've got to like find the people that you can hang with to get the consciousness, to get to a place where you can get physical recovery, right? Away from drugs and alcohol, maybe away from the people that you need long enough so that you can get the deal, so that you can get the grace. I do believe grace is available for everyone in my opinion.
0: I do, too. I do, too. And I love the fact that, you know, it, it. this, too, will pass. So hang in that the first 30, 60 days. Yeah, they're not easy. They are not easy. But if you continue to stick it out and be in the group, right, have that person, have that coach, you know, a therapist, a sponsor, whatever is your path. Maybe all three like me, you will will be so happy. It'll be the best decision that you've made.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Christina, you know, I'm so glad that we had this conversation because I know we've had this conversation privately with people that we know in the community that are struggling and struggling does not mean that anything's necessarily wrong. And right. that's what we're throwing out there. Maybe we're saying this just for us too, right? Like I Maybe. think a lot of <laughs> times we do this recovery stuff kind of for us because we get a lot out of it as well. Uh, so, you know, thanks so much for your comment on that. Look, we've got a great topic today that we want to jump into. And I know the preamble was kind of long, but I think worth it for the people. Maybe if only one person heard that and changed their it's life. Worth it. It is worth it. Um, so I got to tell you, I found this article that I really, really loved. And it was basically warning signs. Boop, 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 boo, Warning signs, <laughs> guys. Warning signs of a codependent relationship. And I thought this was like, I, I mean, when I read this and I go, man, did Christina Dennis write this?
0: Right, right. Well, you know, it is my heart. Um, You know, I found out very early into my recovery from substance abuse that I was a raging codependent. And ever since then, because it gave me the gift, recovering from codependency gave me this gift where I have beautiful relationships, and I have so much help and support. And I actually live my own life. It is, I'm going to be the Pied Piper of recovery from codependency for the rest of my life. It's that important.
1: It is that important. And you know, the interest, I always say the black belt of alcohol and drug recovery is codependency recovery, because it is. like you always say, Christine, it's rare that you ever find somebody that's in recovery that hasn't struggled with some sort of codependent relationship. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. How do you know? Like, how do you know if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, you know, like, what? Well, Sorry, got bumped there a little bit. There um, you are. So- how, how do you know if you're in a codependent relationship? How do you know? What are um, the warning signs?
0: Oh, there's so many. And I really enjoyed the article that you sent me. And I think that is that is super important. And first of all, I want to let, I mean, we did the article on this show about 90% of relationships are codependent. And there are several types of codependency. So if you've been confused about the definition, <laughs> I think it's really, really you know possible that we don't all the uh, the whole group of people that focus on this don't exactly know. Um, they, okay,
1: wait, wait. You got to back up here. Ninety percent. Ninety percent.
0: Ninety percent. Because wow. it comes from our childhood, and we as a society continue to grow f- with mindfulness, and we continue to grow with understanding. You know, we are not necessarily fighting for our lives in this country. Thank goodness. And so we have the time to start looking and saying. Why are people living unfulfilled life? Why are there these certain subtypes of people? You know, in alcohol, because codependency is a term that came from AA, actually. And it's originally spoke of one person, you know, being kind of, um, not being, actually having their definition defined by a identified patient or an alcoholic, right? It was the person that was helping the alcoholic not hit a bottom. It was the person that was living for the alcohol Uh, like to recover. And that's where the original term came from. But since then, we've really discovered it. And if you Google happen to Google, what types of codependency are there, you'll get different articles with different things. But for me, it is when your definition comes from other people. And uh, when you put your needs and wants on and the important thing is not necessarily what you do, but why you're doing it. And you know, a codependent can look passive. They can look assertive. They can be anorexic, but it's the way we relate to other people and what we expect out of our relationships.
1: So, okay, but- I gotta, I, I have to, I have to interject here real quick. I'm sorry, Christina, to cut you off. That's but okay. One, I wanted, I wanted to let everybody know that on screen, uh, we're, we're also looking at. If you're listening on the podcast, this is from. I want to give credit to Fort Behavior uh, Health. Who actually wrote this article. And we're gonna put a link actually in 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 the podcast so everybody can access this article. But I have to, I have to ask you real quick, when when you're dealing, Christina, with people that are have codependency, when they come to you, are they shocked? Because a lot of the people I know that you work with specifically, they're in recovery. Like they're doing right. the deal. They've got right. years or so are are they just like blown away? They're like, what? I like. Many. Do they just discover it's like, wow, I'm I'm in a codependent relationship. Many,
0: many, and what's interesting is they often think it's the other person who's the codependent. <laughs> it's not them.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so so they come and they think, well, it's not. It's 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 not them. So what what are these warning signs, Chrissy? What are do you know? It's like if like, sure. wow, I've got a problem with this.
0: Sure. Well, I think the most blaring one that everybody can identify is people-pleasing. And you know what that looks like. It is, you know, uh, subjugating your needs for somebody else's needs. It's the person who comes in and says yes to everything. It's the person who will not think if you ask them, where do you want to go to dinner? They can't make that decision. They say, well, where do you want to go to dinner? Because wherever you want to go, I want to go. And it's true. And it's actually part of sometimes the romantic comedy scene. If you think about it, you know, I remember a scene in The Runaway Bride where she didn't know what type of eggs she liked because she always said her, whoever her partner was, that was her favorite way of eggs. And they show a scene of her trying on and eating eggs and deciding this is what I like. And that seems so silly but it's really pervasive and it really stills our life and joy. So if you notice that your nervous system depends on how much you can please the other ones and other people around you, if you're over volunteering, if you're saying yes to everything yes. and then secretly being resentful, that's what people pleasing looks like.
1: Yeah. If, you know, this whole thing of having this feeling that I have to kind of morph into whatever what people want. Right i think that that's interesting because i think everybody's had this to it. look peer pressure if you don't get this in junior higher elementary school right you probably did this feeling of like i don't belong so i'm gonna have to morph into whatever people want but it's even beyond that isn't it it's like i get my joy from making sure that that happens right like that is that's different than just trying to get along to go along
0: i get my worth from other people's opinions. I get my worth from making you happy. And that is dangerous because obviously we have codependency or dependency on somebody else reacting a way that we decide or think that they will like. And that brings us to our second point, which is lack of boundaries. Now, I am the Mm -hmm. boundaries girl. I have a room in Recovered Life discussions where we literally talk about setting healthy boundaries every week because our world isn't set up for us to have boundaries. Parents don't have boundaries with children. Children are not told or taught how they can have their own boundaries. We don't have boundaries at work and we rarely have boundaries with our loved one. And one of the exercises that I've been taught is literally just touching yourself and visualizing, touching your face, the top of your head, and realizing that you actually take up space, just you. And boundaries, I mean, it can be a lifelong lesson, but when we start with little boundaries, I mean, many of the people I work with don't aren't even comfortable with saying, no, I'm too busy, or no, I can't do that. They're not even comfortable with that. And so they're basically being ran over and ran through. And you know, they don't understand that it's their motive, right, to be liked. It's their motive to make sure that other person's happy that keeps them behaving this way and so one of the first things we work on is setting up boundaries boundaries for ourselves setting up boundaries for other people and we can do it in a loving way so Mm -hmm. if you feel like nobody listens to you nobody cares what you're thinking that you have to say yes to everything you probably have lack lack boundaries
1: you know i see this a lot especially with the 20 somethings that i work with right because a lot of the times when they first get sober, the people around them, like you find any alcoholic behind them, you'll find two or three codependents that are feeding off that alcoholism. Including the alcoholic. Yes. Including the alcoholic. Yeah. And a lot of the times it's like, you know, uh, sometimes in setting these boundaries, a lot of times it's like, you know what, maybe you don't need your parents' help. Maybe you don't need your friend's help on this. They're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to fill the void of uncomfortableness. You need to just be uncomfortable. Right, you should be uncomfortable because it's the situation you're in. Maybe you can't have people save you on this. Maybe you need to do this yourself, right? Like and it's str- it's starting to kind of find those boundaries and where you can apply them in your own recovery.
0: Right, right. And that's such I mean, we could talk about boundaries forever, I promise you, and people would be surprised how we don't even have a society set up for healthy boundaries. But that brings us to the next Point the signs that you may be in a codependent relationship, which is lack of self esteem or poor self esteem, and that is one of the reasons why we are depending on everyone around us to define us. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a self. And here's the tricky part: codependents can look very boisterous. They can look like leaders. They are leaders in a lot of ways, but they are dependent on the people. Ref, reflecting back to them their worth. They don't have their own self-esteem. And a lot of codependents, I mean, we start with simple questions like, what's your favorite color? Because they haven't thought about themselves in so long that they don't have a defined self-esteem. They just don't, they, and it's very poor, whatever they have. And if somebody, I remember thinking, you know, back in my teenage years that I was so dependent on somebody making and giving me a compliment Uh, once a day. And if they didn't, I had a horrible day. And I love that you brought up the teenage years because a lot of this stuff really comes to full bloom. However, most of our codependent tendencies we learned even pre-verbal.
1: Yeah. What, what about this whole caretaking thing? Because, you know, the whole thing about being a caretaker, it it kind of, I, I know a lot of people who before, they found out that they were codependent and recovered from that Were are in a caretaker role 24 So it's what yes. they did for a job yes. it's what they did and now that they're out they're like not as comfortable with that right and i know some people that have even switched careers because they're like you know what this isn't healthy for me because they're prone to just always be the rescuer always be the mm-hmm. person that's caretaking
0: Right, right. And they don't have the ability to have boundaries or so caretaking looks like taking care of everybody's needs like and that might sound the same as the first three but it's going that extra mile thinking about you know what do they need and it's actions now i have a high support needs son so part of my role was to be a caregiver beyond what a parent would normally do so it was very difficult for me I mean, mm-hmm. i call that the olympics of codependency with children and their parents and i definitely had to struggle against that but caretaking is one you believe the other person isn't capable. And that's very, very dishonest, you know, very, un, I mean, you need that person to remain sick in order for you to have a role. And two, you um, you really don't ever take care of your own needs because you have this silent, invisible contract that they're supposed to take care of your needs. And that is what I found out about caretaking. And so I don't mean, and I don't want people to stop taking care of other people much you know, a hundred percent. This has to be dwarfed and and molded into an area that works. But the first thing that I do when I'm working with somebody is teach them or make them commit to taking care of themselves first. Then what they have left over is available to other people.
1: Well, you know, we find this in coaching a lot too. We find this just in general. It's like, if you're working harder than the person that you're working with, like to help get them sober or to whatever, Th- that's a that's a recipe for disaster.
0: Yes, you're not actually helping them. <clears throat> the next the next one that they bring up, which is reactivity. And this is kind of the dirty little secret of codependency and codependence. If you're a mass codependent, we know that we have reactions that are over the top. We also know that if we care, like you just said, care more about what somebody's outcome is than they do, we are reacting to something. And what we want to work with is, is respect responding rather than reacting, not having an emotional tornado go through us. If, some, if someone we love is struggling, we just had an entire discussion about how the struggle is part of the deal. But when we are reacting, sometimes we want to prevent somebody else's growth. And so if you have, even if you have them way deep down inside, there's a certain amount of resentment and you're not giving out of your heart. If you expect a reaction, if you expect a response from your partner or your child, then it isn't, it, you're not reacting, you're not responding, you're reacting.
1: And relationship stress is a real sign of this, right? If you're constantly in relationship, if there's constant drama all Absolutely. the time. There might be something not right there.
0: <laughs> right? Well, nobody would come to me if they didn't have relationship stress. So you definitely yeah. want to take the time to look at this within yourself and see, you know, I, like we said, 90%. And as you are in recovery, it's, it's kind of the next step for you to evolve spiritually and to have that kind of relationship that's
1: interdependent. Okay, Christina. So, if we've heard all this and we're thinking, you know what? Wow, we've got this dependency. We've got this lack of self-image. We've got like all this other stuff. What do you do? Like, if you buy, if if people are listening to this right now and they're saying, "Wow, uh, this is uncomfortably this is me." Yes. <laughs> what, what do you, What do you What do you What do you do if you feel that you're in this first, situation? First,
0: I want to tell people: one, give yourself some grace. It's okay. You got help getting there. You were raised by codependency. You have parents that are codependent. You have teachers that are codependent. It is actually very normal that you feel like you're in a codependency relationship or you are a codependent. So give yourself grace. Second, recognize that you are your first responsibility is to you. So come up with a plan. And I usually come up with a plan for people on how to negotiate relationships now that you're no longer going to act codependently to them, to start to learn about yourself and to start figuring out where it came from because you have old belief systems that no longer serve you. And that includes everyone on the planet. You know, I don't even think that the most evolved person You know, Deepak or Oprah would say that they have walked through their entire belief system and have addressed it. But they're sneaky, those belief systems. Mm -hmm. So work with somebody and figure out how to root them out and be kind to yourself.
1: Love that. I love that. You know, and I think one of the ways to also do this, what I've seen is just having the conversation with people. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what this recovered life thing is all about. It's just having that high next level conversation with people to be able to say, Hey, you know what? I, I don't feel like something's r- right here. Right. And I, I love it. Like through discussions, really, I think we become aware of what's actually going on with us. As we start to talk with other people about what's going on with them, mm-hmm. we start to kind of get insight on what's going on with us.
0: We are so much more alike than we are different. Um, and it's very interesting that the first thing we look for, and this I learned from Brene Brown's book, and it's the paradox of life, the more the first thing we look for in other people's vulnerability, and it's the last thing that we show them. And so getting good and dirty in these kind of conversations and talking to people, getting to the truth mm-hmm. is what's going to set you free.
1: Absolutely. You know, This has been a great article from Fort Behavioral Health. Really great episode. Uh, Listen, if you want to connect with Christina, you can actually do that on recoveredlife.us. You can join the community 100% for free. This has been a really great episode. Very, very informative. And I think a lot of people are struggling. They're struggling. Mm -hmm. And they're also struggling with codependency. And I think the more that we shine this light on it, the easier it's going to be for people to you know get into recovery and to start pursuing the solution.
0: Absolutely. there's freedom. There is freedom from codependency.
1: All right guys, we're gonna see everybody back here Friday at 8 a.m episode 89 in the can. We will talk to you guys later and please join us on Clubhouse on the recovered life discussions Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right guys, we'll see you soon.